Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, January 7th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Happy Friday, everybody. So did you survive the anniversary of the insurrection? You know, to me, it was a vivid reminder of just how dumb and overwrought politics can be. So anyway, let's talk about gold. The yellow metal was plugging along with a pretty solid upward trajectory in the new year. We started out 2022 over $1,800 an ounce. We had a little bit of profit taking early last week, but relatively quickly recovered to around $1,825 an ounce. And then we had another big taper tantrum this week, and we're now back below $1,800. So what precipitated this latest sell-off? Well, it's the same scenario that has sparked every big sell-off this year. Well, I guess I should say last year. Everybody thinks the Fed is going to war with inflation. Everybody thinks the Fed is going to tighten monetary policy. Everybody thinks the Fed is going to raise rates. And of course, that's bad for gold. We've seen this song and dance over and over and over again. And, you know, I have to confess, it frustrates the fire out of me. Why don't people get it? I was talking with Jeff Dice, the president of the Mises Institute yesterday, and he had an interesting theory. He said he thinks a lot of times people like us who aren't professionals working out in the world of finance, we see the forest more clearly, the long term more clearly than the experts because they are so focused in on the trees. They're out there day to day trading. And then I think there's also this bit of cognitive dissonance with mainstream experts. They don't want to admit that this system that they have dedicated their lives to is totally effed up and broken. They have a vested interest in projecting confidence, right? Hey, everything is fine. This is transitory. This is all normal. A little inflation is good for you. Why? It's perfectly normal for a central bank to print trillions of dollars out of thin air. And of course, they can roll all of that back without causing any real problems in the economy. I mean, when I hear this, when I look at it, it all seems absolutely absurd. But that's the world they live in. But at some point, I think they're going to have to get real and get on board with reality. This inflation mess isn't going to be solved by a little Fed policy adjustment. Anyway, this time the catalyst for the big sell-off was the release of the minutes from the December FOMC meeting. They revealed an even more hawkish Fed than was expected, and the markets freaked once again at the prospect of monetary tightening. In a nutshell, the minutes seemed to indicate an even more abrupt shift to tighter monetary policy faster to fight inflation. The tenor of the minutes give the impression that the Fed is really getting serious about inflation this time. You know, remember back when inflation was transitory and nothing to worry about? You know, like two months ago? Those were good times, weren't they? Now it appears the Fed is worried. The minutes use the terms elevated level of inflation, elevated inflation, and elevated inflation pressures five times. By the way, there was no mention of the word transitory. So now the Fed plans to tighten faster and more aggressively than expected to deal with this inflation problem. The big news that took everybody really by surprise was that the FOMC has started discussing balance sheet reduction. Quote, 
Almost all participants agreed that it would likely be appropriate to initiate balance sheet runoff at some point after the first increase in the target range for the federal funds rate. The, that was from the, uh, the meeting summary. Runoff, which is uh, the fancy Fed term for quantitative tightening, was mentioned 10 times in these minutes. So according to the minutes, interest rate hikes could come quote, relatively soon. The speculation is we could now see the first rate hike in the March meeting, and their trajectory is that they'll actually push rates all the way to 1% by the end of the year. 1%. Now keep in mind, 1% isn't exactly tight monetary policy. In fact, you know, not long ago, 1% would have been considered stimulus, but we're in a different world now. But Interestingly, the, mean, the minutes seem to hint that the Fed may actually rely more on balance sheet reduction and less on rate hikes. So maybe not pushing rates up so quickly, but selling off assets from the balance sheet. Quantitative tightening would bring up long-term interest rates faster and thereby ensure a steeper yield curve. So think about this for a second. We went from a month ago, not even talking about shrinking the balance sheet to now using quantitative tightening as the primary weapon against inflation. You know, if you kind of step back and look at the messaging that the Fed has given us over the last year or so, we've gone from uh, there is no inflation to uh, inflation is transitory to there is some inflation, but it's nothing to worry about to we're going to taper. And, and now we're talking about balance sheet reduction. You would almost think that these people are just blindly throwing crap at the wall, hoping something will stick. Now, the markets were less than thrilled uh, when the minutes came out, the S&P 500 plunged 1.9%. The Nasdaq plummeted 3.3%. Uh, the Dow Jones was down just over 1%. Uh, so this is really the first time that we've seen a huge reaction from the stock market to the prospect of tightening. I guess the, the markets have decided, well, the Fed really means it this time. Meanwhile, the 10-year yield rose to 1.71% on Thursday. Uh, I think we're close to 1.8 now. The 10-year was up 19 basis points over the first three trading days of the year. Stocks were down again on Thursday, although not as sharply as they were uh, when the minutes came out. And as I've already mentioned, as has been the case all year, gold reacted to the prospect of Fed tightening by giving up all of its gains from earlier in the day. By Thursday morning, the yellow metal was back below $1,800 an ounce. So basically, the mainstream bought this narrative with nary a question. Inflation is bad. The Fed has recognized the problem. We're going to have some tightening, and that's going to fix the inflation problem. Well, I have questions. Seven questions to be specific. These are questions I don't hear being asked in the mainstream. And I think it's pretty important to answer these questions before we just run off and accept this narrative. Question number one. If there is suddenly such a sense of urgency to fight elevated inflation pressure, why did the Fed add another $76 billion to its balance sheet in December? I mean, it's not like inflation suddenly appeared out of nowhere. There wasn't some kind of surprise inflation reveal a couple of weeks ago. If the central bankers know that loose monetary policy is feeding the inflationary fire, if we need tighter policy to put this fire out, and they really think the fire is out of control, shouldn't they stop feeding the fire immediately? 
I mean, if I'm in my backyard burning brush and the fire starts to get out of control, I'm going to immediately stop pouring gasoline on it. I'm not going to pour a little less gas on this conflagration. In fact, I'm going to get the hose probably and cool the fire. It's really hard to take the Fed's sudden urgency seriously when they're still pouring gasoline on the fire today, even if it's a little less gas than last month. And as Peter Schiff has said repeatedly, a little looser monetary policy isn't tight. I'll believe this tightening when I actually see it. Question number two. If the Fed stops buying bonds and starts selling U.S. Treasuries into the market to shrink its balance sheet, who is going to monetize the massive federal government deficits? Nothing the Fed does is going to stop the federal spending pandemic, right? Joe Biden is going to spend money. The Fed has absorbed a large percentage of the federal debt issued since January 2020. In 2020, the Fed monetized more than 100% of notes and 90% of bonds issued by Uncle Sam. So the Fed took up pretty much the same amount as the U.S. government sold. Now, in 2021, those numbers fell to 31% and 46.5% respectively. But the Treasury issued even more debt notes Uh, in notes and bonds in 2021 than it did in 2020. So in absolute terms, the Fed was still buying a crap load of debt. Who can absorb almost half of the long-term debt the Treasury is going to be issuing for the foreseeable future if the Fed bows out? Not only that, they'll ostensibly be selling into the market in order to shrink the balance sheet, right? I don't see this big demand for U.S. Treasuries out there. Interest rates will really have to rise in order to entice more buyers to fill the gap. But then that's a huge problem for Joe Biden, who wants to keep spending like a drunken sailor, right? He needs the Fed to keep its big fat thumb on the Treasury market so the government can keep spending money it doesn't have. Pushing up interest rate costs when your whole budgeting scheme depends on debt seems less than ideal. So this whole balance sheet reduction thing sounds good. But how is it going to work in practice when the government is depending on the Fed to basically finance its entire operation? Question number three, why isn't anybody talking about real interest rates? Now, I talked about this at length in last week's show. If you haven't listened, it's extremely important. I will link to the episode and an article on the subject over on the show notes page. But here's the short version. The yield on the 10-year treasury right now is around 1.7%. The CPI gain for 2021 is already over 7% with the December data still out. And of course, that's using the government's cooked CPI formula that understates inflation. That means the real yield on the 10-year is well over negative 5%. And with the actual inflation rate being around 15%, the real yield is well over negative 13%. In order to turn rates positive, real rates, the Fed is going to have to push nominal rates to over 13%. But people are selling gold because rising interest rates supposedly ups the opportunity cost for holding gold. Look, there is no opportunity cost holding gold when real rates are negative. And when real rates turn negative, they have historically stayed that way for long periods of time.
Question number four. Do you remember the last stab the Federal Reserve took at balance sheet reduction? After the 2008 financial crisis, the Fed balance sheet grew from $898.6 billion, that was in August of 2008, to a peak of just over $4.5 trillion in January of 2015. The Fed didn't get around to significantly shrinking the balance sheet until 2018. The central bankers claimed balance sheet reduction was on autopilot at that point, but that didn't last long. The stock market threw a big tantrum in the fall of 2018, as you will remember. The economy was looking kind of shaky, and the Fed swiftly reversed course with the last rate hike coming in December of 2018. The balance sheet dipped to $3.76 trillion at its low. That was in late August of 2019. From there, it started to take an upward trajectory. The Fed was already back to quantitative easing, increasing the size of its balance sheet before the pandemic. I've said to several people, the pandemic really saved the Fed's bacon and gave them the excuse to expand the balance sheet and stimulate the economy because the economy was about to tank. The uh, coronavirus pandemic just gave them cover to do what they were already doing. So again, the Fed was already back to QE before the pandemic. That leads to the next question, question number five. If the Fed could not successfully shrink its balance sheet after 2008, what in the hell makes anybody think it can do it now? The balance sheet now stands at just over $8.8 trillion, so over $4 trillion more than it was at the peak after the 08 financial crisis. There's even more debt in the economy today than there was then. The economy is more addicted to low interest rates and stimulus than it was then. How does this work? Question number six. Do you remember Paul Volcker? Volcker was the Fed chairman who orchestrated the monetary tightening that finally tamed the inflation of the 1970s. To do so, he took rates to 20%. If we measure CPI today using the 1970s formula, we would likely be seeing readings in the 15% range. That's worse than the 1970s. So, in other words, we have today, if measured honestly, the worst inflation in American history. In order to fight inflation, the Fed needs interest rates to rise above the rate of inflation. And this leads to my final question, question number seven. Do you really think the Fed can push rates to 15 or 20%, given the current economic environment. I mean, obviously it can. It's physically possible to raise interest rates, but what are the consequences? I wrote an article that was published yesterday over at shiftgold.com news titled, Hedge You Lose, Tails You Lose. I think it was also picked up by Zero Hedge. This is the position that the Fed is in. They can fight inflation, they can raise interest rates, and they can crash the economy, or they can not fight inflation, they can go back to loose monetary policy, and crash the dollar. So either way, you lose. So that pretty much sums up the uh, questions for the day. Ponder these questions, formulate your answers, and then act accordingly. During this process of questioning, you might want to talk to a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist. You can do that today. Just call 1-888-GOLD-160 or shoot them an email to info at shiftgold.com. 
Dot-com. These guys are fantastic. They can clarify anything that I didn't make clear. They can look at your portfolio, your investment goals, your financial position, and they can help you see how precious metals can fit into your investment strategy. Don't believe the mainstream when they're telling you that what the Fed is doing is bad for gold. They're going to have to do a whole lot more than they're talking about for it to really be bad for gold. So call a ship gold precious metal specialist today. So that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more. And of course, keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shipgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at Apple Podcasts, on the Ship Gold YouTube channel, on Stitcher. You'll find links to these things over on the show notes page. You can contact me if you have comments, questions, or just want to say hi. My email address is mmeharry at shipgold.com. I appreciate you listening to the show. I hope you have a fantastic week, and we will talk to you again next Friday.